Book Ten, Chapter Ten of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Ten, Chapter Ten A Vision. When the first violence of this paroxysm of sorrow abated, Camilla again strove to pray, and found that nothing so much stilled her. Yet her faculties confused, hurried, and in anguish permitted little more than incoherent ejaculations. Again she sighed for her father, Again the spirit of his instructions recurred, and she inquired who was the clergyman of the parish, and if he would be humane enough to come and pray by one who had no claim upon him as a parishioner. Peggy said he was a very good gentleman, and never refused even the poorest person that begged his attendance. "'Oh, go to him, then,' cried she, "'directly. Tell him—' A sick and helpless stranger implores that he will read to her the prayers for the dying. Should I yet live, they will compose and make me better. If not, they will give me courage for my quick exit. Peggy went forth, and she lay her beating head upon the pillow, and endeavored to quiet her nerves for the sacred ceremony she demanded. It was dark, and she was alone. The corpse she had just quitted seemed still bleeding in full view. She closed her eyes, but still saw it. She opened them, but it was always there. She felt nearly stiff with horror, chilled, frozen, with speechless apprehension. A slumber feverish nearly to delirium, at length surprised her harassed faculties, but not to afford them rest. Death, in a visible figure, ghastly, pallid, severe, appeared before her, and with its hand, sharp and forked, struck abruptly upon her breast. She screamed, but it was heavy as cold, and she could not remove it. She trembled, she shrunk from its touch, but it had iced her heart-strings. Every vein was congealed, every stiffened limb stretched to its full length was as hard as marble, and when again she made a feeble effort to rid her oppressed lungs of the dire weight that had fallen upon them, a voice, hollow, deep, and distant, dreadfully pierced her ear, calling out, Thou hast but thine own wish. Rejoice, thou murmurer, for thou diest. Clearer, shriller, another voice quick vibrated in the air. Whither goest thou? it cried, and whence comest thou? A voice from within over which she thought she had no control, though it seemed issuing from her vitals, low, hoarse, and tremulous, answered, Whither I go, let me rest. 
whence I come from, let me not look back. Those who gave me birth I have deserted. My life, my vital powers I have rejected. Quick then another voice assailed her, so near, so loud, so terrible, she shrieked at its horrible sound. Prematurely, it cried, thou art come, uncalled, unbidden, thy task unfulfilled, thy peace unearned. Follow, follow me. The records of eternity are opened. Come, write with thine own hand thy claims, thy merits to mercy. A repelling self-accusation instantaneously overwhelmed her. Oh, no, 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 she exclaimed. Let me not sign my own miserable insufficiency. In vain was her appeal. A force unseen yet irresistible impelled her forward. She saw the immense volumes of eternity and her own hand involuntarily grasped a pen of iron and with a velocity uncontrollable wrote these words. Without resignation I have prayed for death. From impatience of displeasure I have desired annihilation. To dry my own eyes I have left pitiless, selfish, unnatural, a father the most indulgent, a mother almost idolizing to weep out theirs. Her head would have sunk upon the guilty characters, but her eyelids refused to close and kept them glaring before her. They became, then, illuminated with burning sulfur. She looked another way, but they partook of the same motion. She cast her eyes upward, but she saw the characters still. She turned from side to side, but they were always her object. Loud again sounded the same direful voice. These are thy deserts. Write now thy claims, and next, and quick, turn over the immortal leaves and read thy doom. Oh, no, she cried. Oh, no. Oh, let me yet return. Oh, earth, with all thy sorrows, take, take me once again, that better I may learn to work my way to that last harbor, which, rejecting the criminal repiner, opens its soft bosom to the firm, though supplicating sufferer. In vain again she called, pleaded, knelt, wept, in vain. The time she found was past. She had slighted it while in her power. It would return to her no more. And a thousand voices at once, with awful vibration, answered aloud to every prayer. Death was thine own desire. Again, unlicensed by her will, her hand seized the iron instrument. The book was open that demanded her claims. She wrote with difficulty, but saw that her pen made no mark. She looked upon the page when she thought she had finished, but the paper was blank. 
voices then by hundreds by thousands by millions from side to side above below around called out echoed and re-echoed turn over turn over and read thy eternal doom in the same instant the leaf untouched burst open and she awoke but in a trepidation so violent the bed shook under her the cold sweat in large drops fell from her forehead and her heart still seemed laboring under the adamantine pressure of the inflexibly cold grasp of death so exalted was her imagination so confused were all her thinking faculties that she stared with wild doubt whether then or whether now what she experienced were a dream in this suspensive state fearing to call to move or almost to breathe she remained in perfect stillness and in the dark till little peggy crept softly into the chamber certain then of her situation this has been she cried only a vision but my conscience has abetted it and i cannot shake it off when she became calmer and further recollected herself she anxiously inquired if the clergyman would not come peggy hesitatingly acknowledged he had not been sent for her mistress had imagined the request proceeded from a disturbance of mind owing to the sight of the corpse and said she was sure after a little sleep it would be forgotten alas said camilla disappointed it is more necessary than ever my senses are wandering i seem hovering between life and death oh let not my own fearful fancies absorb this hour of change which religious rites should consecrate she then told peggy to plead for her to her mistress and assure her that nothing else after the dreadful shock she had received could still her mind mrs marl not long after came into the room herself and inquiring how she did said if she was really bent upon such a melancholy thing the clergyman had luckily just called and would read the service to her directly if it would give her any comfort oh great and infinite comfort she cried and begged he might come immediately and read to her the prayer for those of whom there is but small hope of recovery she would have risen that she might kneel but her limbs would not second her desire and she was obliged to lie still upon the outside of the bed peggy drew the curtains to shade her eyes as a candle was brought into the room but when she heard mrs marl say come in sir and here's the prayer book overpowered with the tender recollection of her father to whom such offices were frequent she burst into an agony of tears and hid her face upon the pillow she soon however recovered and the solemnity of the preparation overawed her sorrow mrs marl placed the light as far as possible from the bed and when camilla waved her hand in token of being ready said now sir if you please he complied though not immediately but no sooner had he begun no sooner devoutly yet tremblingly pronounced o father of mercies 
Then a faint scream issued from the bed. He stopped, but she did not speak. And after a short pause, he resumed, but not a second sentence was pronounced when she feebly ejaculated, Oh, heaven! And the book fell from his hands. She strove to raise her head, but could not. She opened, however, the side curtain to look out. He advanced at the same moment to the foot of the bed, fixed his eyes upon her face, and in a voice that seemed to come from his soul, exclaimed, Camilla! With a mental emotion that for an instant restored her strength, she drew again the curtain, covered up her face, and sobbed even audibly while the words, Oh, Edgar! vainly sought vent. He attempted not to unclose the curtain she had drawn, but with a deep groan, dropping upon his knees on the outside, cried, Great God! But checking himself, hastily arose, and motioning to Mrs. Marl and to Peggy to move out of hearing, said through the curtain, Oh, Camilla, what dire calamity has brought this about? Speak, I implore. Why are you here? Why alone? Speak! Speak! He heard she was weeping, but received no answer, and with energy next to torture exclaimed, Refuse not to trust me. Recollect our long friendship. Forgive, forget its alienation by all you have ever valued, by all your wanted generosity, I call, I appeal, Camilla, Camilla, your silence rends my soul. Camilla had no utterance, yet could not resist this urgency, and gently, through the opening of the curtain, put forth her feeble hand. He seemed affected to agony. He held it between each of his own, and while softly he uttered, Oh, ever unchangeably generous Camilla, she felt it moistened with his tears. Too weak for the new sensation this excited, she drew it away, and the violence of her emotion menacing an hysteric fit, Mrs. Marl came back to her and wringing his hands as he looked around the room, he tore himself away. End of chapter 10